This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, recently, the Montreal International Jazz Festival uh, was in town and it completed at the beginning of July. And then, of course, I've run off and I've done, uh, I've hung out with the, the Tesla guys on the uh, on the Def Leppard tour, and we do rock all the time. But what we don't do is speak about the greats. And so Miles Davis, and and I'm not going to explain who Miles Davis is. You know, he has got a, a new project out that was released called the Complete Birth of Cool. It came out on a Blue Note in uh, June. And so I got Aaron Davis and Vince Wilborn Jr. on the phone to discuss Miles, to discuss the project. And uh, what's interesting is that we end up talking about Sammy Hagar. And you can never go wrong with Sammy Hagar. And I, and I know Van Halen fans, some of the purists out there are like, oh, Van Halen is only the David Lee Roth era. And as great as the David Lee Roth era was, the Sammy era was spectacular. So, you know, and um, I also interviewed Gary Peel, who's in Boston and Alliance, but also has played uh, with Sammy Hagar. And so I've got that interview coming up in about a week's time. So between, um, you know, uh, Aaron Davis and Vince Wilburn Jr. and Gary Peel were we're going to sort of pastiche. Should a rock host be saying the word pastiche? Uh, perhaps not, but that's delightful. Anyway, we're, we're going to sort of put together a a, a, a different look at uh, the whole Sammy Hagar world uh, through these different eyes. Uh, anyway, let me let me get over to to the interview. It is a a short one, and uh, we continue here on Mitch Marathon Month and. Let us not forget that Alice Cooper guitarist Ryan Roxy has started his podcast on my network as I expand my global reach. <clears throat> I think you can hear my wife laughing in the background. Well, maybe not. Anyway, uh, let me. His show is called In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Now, if you uh, go to Apple Podcast or iHeart and all that, and you specifically look up uh, In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy, it is going to probably not show up because he's on the Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon feed. So your best bet is to find the Mitch LaFon feed. And if you're here listening to this, well, you know where to find me. And so just scroll through the different episodes and the In the Trenches stuff will pop up. Uh, you can also look at the logo. My logo is a sort of bright orange with flames. And Ryan's is a yellow, so if you go through the uh, just the icons and you see orange, 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 those are Mitch shows, and then you, boop, you go, whoa, what's this yellow one? That is Ryan Roxy, and he just had on uh, members of Blackberry Smoke. He's got Phil X of Bon Jovi coming up. What else does he have coming up? Um, Michael Stairtoe, who played with Al, uh, not Al Scooper, who played with Lou Reed, uh, huh, who played with Lou Graham for a while. And uh, just just a bunch of great interviews. Oh, Steve Brown, of course, uh, speaking of Def Leppard. So so look for In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy, presented by Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. But uh, without further ado, let us get over to today's guests uh, from the world of jazz, if you prefer. 
It is Aaron Davis and Vince Wilburn Jr. We are speaking to Vince Wilburn Jr., nephew of late jazz icon Miles Davis, and of course, Aaron Davis, who is of course the son of uh, Miles Davis. Good day, gentlemen. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Uh, Lots to talk about, but let's Let's get right in here to, to, to the key project that just came out, the uh, Miles Davis, The Complete Birth of Cool, uh, two vinyl LP and set that was released on uh, June 7th. Uh, talk to me about the importance of that package and, and just also Birth of Cool, because this is one of those moments in time that has been captured. So, so just talk to me about that. And Vince, I'll start with you just so that the uh, fans can understand Whose voice goes with whose name? So I'll start with Vince. Uh, Vince, talk to me about the bir- the complete birth of Cool. What do you want to know, Mitch? I mean, <laughs> it's it's um it's an iconic re- remade uh, remastered record. It's a seminal piece by uh, Unc and, and Universal did a, did a fabulous job, right, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So let me let me ask you this then. You you are both in charge of curating Miles's legacy. Um, talk to me about some of the challenges you faced uh, because you know a lot of people looked up to to Miles and what he was doing, and people love to sample now, and people love to use music like that in soundtracks and in commercials. How do you sort of stay on top of that and make sure that? The music is used appropriately, and I'll start with you, Aaron. Well, I mean that's not that's not difficult. I mean we we, we check when we get licensing requests. We you know we we listen if there's a, the, if they've already done the track, we listen to it, see if it's a, you know if everything's appropriate, everything's cool, if it fits in with if it's quote on brand type of thing. I mean we try to we also go you know we we also do extremes where we'll be like well. For a student project, and they don't have any money, so we'll, you know, we'll let them license it. Or we'll, you know, what I mean, we do different. Uh, we see every case individually. Is probably the best way I would say. And uh, you know, sometimes we deny like a sample license. We don't feel like it's you know keeping in line with the with the ideals that we all believe in, and and that's pretty much our criteria. You know, and, you know, like if if I if I don't think my sister or my mom could listen to it, then I wouldn't necessarily. Grant a license, you know what I mean? But sometimes, you know, it's, it's all, it's like I said, though, it's, it's, it's all case-specific. Right, 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 right. Uh, and, and Vince, <clears throat> how much say do you have in all of this? Is it an equal partnership amongst all the the, the, the curators, or, or does Aaron get more of a say? How, how do you sort of figure this out? <laughs> we, we flip coins. <laughs> no, 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 no. Aaron and I, are, you know, we have it down to a science, you know, um, it's 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 pretty pretty organic. The synergy's great, and we just you know we just we're honest with each other, and we and, and it's successful. So you know in uh, in Montreal coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have the Montreal International Jazz Fest, and a lot of the artists will be paying tribute to Miles. Uh, you know through what they do. Why do you think he was so influential in what he did, and wasn't just another? guy or just another musician why is he so revered do you think vince why was he so revered yeah is that the question yeah because he's he was miles davis he changed the course of music four or five times everybody always looked to him 
for direction on where the music was going to go, what fashion was, what kind of car he drove. You know, back in the day, they said it was cool to even have a have some vinyl on a train or, or on a bus, a Miles Davis album tucked under your arms. It was, yeah. you know, that you were cool. You know, that was the, the you know, you know, that was the cool I'm factor. Not, I might try know? that one day. I think I'm gonna get on the bus with one of his records and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you, you want to look at somebody who's changing, you know, changing music and, and that standing still. I I do. That's what perks my ear. New sounds. Yeah. yeah, what's new out there? I call I call Aaron and say, "Hey, Aaron, what's new? You know, yeah. what groups? What groups should I be listening to?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you really do. Uh, so uh, I will I will put this now. As as the years go by, uh, the music is going to start falling into into public domain. How do you sort of protect the the copyright integrity of what Miles has done? Well, I mean, when when things fall into public domain, it's a little bit. Uh, hard to protect it because you don't have as many rights as you did before. But you know, we just try to uh, we try to keep uh, you know giving people stuff they haven't heard. Uh, you know, as Birth of the Cool has some tracks that weren't out before. You know, some some deeper look into the process of making that record. So you know, we we've had success with the Bootleg series from showing which is like uh, archived live performances from Europe and around the world uh, from with former bands and lineups and. You know, we try to keep things to, to to protect his his legacy. We try to put people music out that people haven't heard, things that they don't know about. So it's not always you know just like the the stuff that's in the public domain. People will just take some of his recordings and slap a new album cover on it and call it Miles plays and you know Miles plays for lovers or Miles and whatever you know. So you know it's just unfortunate. Uh, you know, fortunately we have good. Uh, we have good. We have a good uh, legal team. We have a good uh, publishing team. You know, we we we're, we're stacked top to top to bottom with that kind of stuff. So we don't. You know, we we try to protect his copyrights as best as we can. Yeah, you're doing good now. Of course, uh, Vince, you are part of the Miles Electric Band, which uh, has been said or, or or it's put out as you're interpreting all this great music with your own spin on it. So, talk to me about being in that band and putting your own spin on stuff because you know his music is very very uh revered and people love it for what it is uh is, is it i don't want to say dangerous to put your own spin on it but explain exactly what you're doing with the miles electric band okay the miles electric band consists of uh guys that play with miles you know so we kind of kind of know we kind of feel that 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 his energy in the space you know robert irving myself daryl jones um, um, Blackbird, McKnight, you know, the core of the guys are the guys that play with Miles. Um, what we, we don't, you know, the music that was recorded in that period, that was period it's already been recorded. So I stress to the audiences as we introduce the band, this is just our interpretation because you can't um, uh, duplicate chicks, you know, uh, uh, Dave Holland, Jack, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Keith Jarrett, uh, th- those those John McLaughlin. You, I, I don't. I wouldn't even want to attempt to do that. Right. Yeah, so so when we did Playboy Jazz, we got the greatest compliment from Herbie. He said your uncle would be proud. This is last year at Playboy Jazz Fest. He said because what you guys are doing, you're not duplicating us, but you're doing your own. You know, doing your own thing. You know, your own interpretation of it. And it's not a tribute band. 
You know what I mean? So that's a cool, cool, uh, cool compliment to have from her. Yeah, I, and I, they're killing. They are. <laughs> and the audience is digging. Yeah. And and like we'll we'll look, you use we'll use like Wallace Roney, Etienne Charles, uh, um, um, Keon Harold, um, um, you know, the trap trumpeters. Um, who are Nick Payton? So we we call the guys Christian Scott with Japan with Christian, you know, in Australia with Christian. So you know, and, and and that's the beauty of it, you know. Ambrose Akamatsu wants to do it. We can't do we is it's the the uh the um the tours conflict. You know, um, Terrence Blanchard wanted to do it, but his tour conflicted with us. So, you know, it's pretty cool. It it really is. Uh, Birth of Cool. There is the uh, documentary that is being uh, put together by Stanley Nelson. Uh, I'll start with you, Aaron. Talk to me about this documentary. It, it had its start a while back, and then it got put on the shelf, and then it got taken off the shelf. And it's been it's been a work in progress, but now there is some buzz going on. Um, talk to me about that one, and also how is it sort of different from uh, the Miles Ahead film that came out a few years back? Well, well, to answer your last the last part of your question first, the, the uh, it's the Miles Davis Birth of the Cool documentary is different than Miles Ahead, the feature film, because the Birth of the Cool is a documentary, and and it's not just about Birth of the Cool; it's about his whole life, from his time growing up in in East St. Louis to uh, you know uh, when when he made his comeback in the eighties and. Uh, so it's a it's a, it's a it's a really great uh, piece of work by by Stanley Nelson and, and uh, we're very proud of it. We've been uh, traveling around, going to the uh, documentary festivals, helping to promote the film, and uh, we've been to Cape Town, Toronto, uh, San Francisco, Sundance. You know, we just it's been a great great run. And uh, Johannesburg. Yeah, this was in Johannesburg, and everybody who's you know every time we screen it somewhere, people love it. You know, they they really. So we notice that certain certain audiences react differently to certain parts, <clears throat> but you know we're just so proud that that people are responding the way they are, and it was a great job done by Stanley and his Firelight team and America Masters and. Everybody, PBS, everybody who who contributed the project, uh, we're just we're just thrilled. And Vince, um, talk to me about the documentary. What are fans who haven't seen it yet going to see? And and how much of a say do you have? Is is it left up to the sort of the director to to decide how the the vision is going to be, or does he sort of sit with the team and say, okay, I want to say this, and then you guys sort of decide how it's going to come out? Stanley. We you know we met with Stanley over over a few years, and and the timing was right. You know, we felt that after after the various meetings, that he signed off, and we we were confident that he could bring it bring a, a beautiful documentary. Um, what he would ask Aaron and I for is just little bits and pieces, maybe, maybe a phone number from me, of a you know like a, somebody that one of the side men, but we trusted him. You know, after after. When you sign off, you you, and, and you have to trust. You have to put your trust in, in in the director. And we we're pretty happy with what he you know what he came up with, and the fact that it showed the sensitive side of Uncle Miles, uh, the, the not so positive side. You know the drugs, the, 
know, which was, you know, it's, it's documented. Um, but at the end of, in, in the end of, of the, of the, of the total, uh, documentary, you know, it shows the man, you know, what, what made him Miles Davis, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and then the, and the, and the perfection. Agreed. Agreed. What drove him, you know, you know, and, and the lady behind it, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Now, when you saw the uh, the movie Miles Ahead back in uh, 2015, what was that like for you now to see this man that you knew being portrayed in sort of a big Hollywood kind of movie setting? Was it accurate? Was it was it exciting? Was it disappointing? Was it like what was that sort of feeling to see this guy that you knew now being portrayed on on the screen? Oh, uh, this is Aaron. Well, I I thought it was. I thought it was great. I think Don did a great job. He, he wanted to do, much like Vince and Miles Electric do an interpretation of uh, Miles' music, Don wanted to do his own take on a story about Miles Davis. He didn't want to make a biopic. He was not interested in doing that. So he made what what you could call a feature film about Miles Davis. You know, um, There's a little bit of fiction in there. There's a lot of things that are, are that are documented and there's also you know things that are left to the imagination so we were really filled with the with the film itself um you know it didn't quite roll out the way we would have uh we would have loved it to but we got a great response from film festivals we went to the, the berlinale in berlin we went vince went to sundance uh it was at south by southwest new york film festival everywhere we went it was great right right vince yes so, and, and, and Don was, you know, Don, man, Don, you know, he, he didn't want it to be a documentary biopic kind of thing. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to move around. And yeah. Make it interesting. He, wanted, and, 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 he kept saying he wanted it to be something that Miles would want to watch, like Miles would yeah, want to be in. Yeah. Like he didn't want it to be just a static biopic. He didn't think Miles would think that was interesting. So he, he tried to do something different. And I, and I, I like what he did. You know, it's definitely his interpretation on it, but. I love what he did, and I, I, I'm still proud of that film. And, and, and another Herbie's uh, <laughs> compliment, because we go to Herbie, and that's kind of cool, you know? The whole picture was like that for him. It really was. And, 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 and speaking, yeah. speaking of cool, Vince, uh, you got to play on the Aura album back in 89. Uh, Talk to me about that album and going into those sessions, and what was it like for you to actually be on an album and participate. Now, of course, you had done many albums with him, but that one in particular got all kinds of accolades. Uh, talk to me about actually recording with Miles. How was that experience? You had to be prepared, have to be ready for changes, had to be ready at the stop of a dime. You know, he, he, we would record and he would listen to the dailies of what we recorded, and then he would change up for the next day. You know, um, just like live recordings, he would listen to the concert tapes and add things, take away things, you know, to make the music better. You know, or he would take like like a he would take a horn line from a track that we were doing and make an entire entirely different song from just that horn line. You know, it, and you had to it was that quick. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you had to be ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was cool. I called it Miles Davis University. I mean, you know, you just have to be ready and, and, and ready for anything. You know, it makes you sharp, keeps you sharp, you know. It, it does. And uh, Aaron, I'm going to throw this over to you. You, of course, were in the, in, in the band Bloodline, which had um, 
uh, Aaron Hager, Sammy Hager's son, <laughs> right, which is important. Right. And, of course, Joe Bonamassa, who has gone on to basically dominate the world, which is good. We love Joe. Uh, talk to me about that band and, and how did you sort of get uh, together with with the guys and, and talk to me a little bit about Joe Bonamassa. Did, did you sort of see right away that this guy is not just a genius, but he's sort of beyond musical genius? Well, I knew he was a prodigy because when I <clears throat> actually funny you said Aaron Hagar because he was only in the band for a little while, but he's the one who got me into the band. Uh, we were working on another product together and he, he told me about uh, Bloodline, which was not called that at the time. And uh, I forgot what they were going by then, but um, I read this whole thing about, oh, it was this kid prodigy and they're trying to surround him with younger musicians. And so I went to the audition, but I was the only drummer. I mean, they were looking at <laughs> I think Zach Starkey or maybe Kofi Baker. But, um, I mean, I, I got the gig and, uh, you know, it was a great time for me. It was like kind of like being in college. You know, we worked with a lot of great producers like Phil Ramone, and, uh, Joe Hardy, and um, we worked with guys like Mark Hudson, who was from the Hudson Brothers. Uh, and he, you know, he co-wrote. It was, he was doing, he was having a great uh just having a great run when we hooked up with him because he all these great hits with Aerosmith, these like um, early '90s hits that, that they had going on. So, so we had a, we had a really good. It was a good experience. You know, Joe was young then; he was only in his teens, and he hadn't even started driving yet. And uh, when I left the band, I think they put out they did one more tour, one or two more tours, and then I think Joe just went on his own after that. So. It was, it was a great experience, though, man. I love playing with those guys. We toured all around the states, man. Everywhere you could think of in this country, we played every bar, and <laughs> it was like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> oh, it, 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 was, it was great, though, man. It, it was I, a I great band. And, and of course, we oh, we have to remember that we had uh, Waylon Krieger in there, uh, son of yeah, uh, 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 Robbie Krieger. Yeah. <laughs> so, so did did, did Robbie Waylon. did Robbie show up every so often and give you pointers? One time. Robbie came to, we played in LA at a place called Club Lingerie. And, you know, we had Robbie come down because we used to, our encore was Roadhouse Blues by the Doors. So Robbie came down and I can't, I think it's, I think Waylon started the song off and Robbie starts, and Robbie joins in and he's looking around at everybody. He's like, what's going on here? And he goes, he just realizes that we, our band naturally tuned down a half step. And we didn't tell him, so he started. He jumped in the song. He was a half step tuned up from us. So he's he's sitting there tuning his guitar, like rolling his eyes and wailing. It was great, man. It was fun. Robbie's great, and uh, you know, and and I do know because at the time I was a Tesla fan. You did open for Tesla. Were you still part of the band when they went out opening for Tesla and Leonard Skinner? Or no, no, you were gone by then. See them, and I I came to see them. They played at the. I think it's called the Gibson Amphitheater now. It was the Greek, uh, not the Greek, the uh, Universal Amphitheater. That's what it was back in the back in the nineties. They 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 came through on that tour, and I missed. I was not in the band, but I came to see them on that tour. Oh, that's too bad. And and I'll ask you this uh, just before we wrap up. Uh, in in terms of a singer, Aaron Hager, because we all love Sammy. In fact, I just met Sammy in in May. How was he vocally? Is he like his dad? Or his dad's his dad. How do you sort of, did he compare? Well, 
there, I mean, I, you know, they're, they're, they're two different people. Um, Aaron has a very powerful voice and he has a very good knack for songwriting and artistry. He's a really good artist. Uh, he can, he like paints, draws, you know, but anything he does, he's kind of, he's pretty good at it. He's a good cook. And, um, I, but I don't think the, that the rock and roll sort of touring lifestyle was really his thing. Like he had the voice and he had the talent to write songs. But I don't think he liked really just going on the road and, you know, singing out, singing every night, like, you know, in those clubs with smoke and everything. I don't think it was really his thing in the end. So he, he, he left the band and then Barry Oakley Jr., the, the son of Barry Oakley from the Allman Brothers, he, he was our bass player and he became the singer as he was also the singer in the Robbie Studios band. He did all the Jim Morrison stuff. So we, you know, we, we wanted to be in Barry and it worked out great. Yeah, what a great band. And of course, uh, I'll remind the folks, the uh, complete birth of Cool from Miles Davis is out now. Uh, gentlemen, we, we, we struggled to get the interview done because while... <laughs> I, I had written down the wrong date, and you had called me, and I was like, "What?" But we got it done, and absolute <laughs> pleasure, and it's great. And yeah, uh, thank you, Mitch. Appreciate yeah, it. I'm glad we got it done, and it's uh, merci, as we say in Montreal. Thank you so much. All thank right, you. Thanks, man. Now, cheers. Bye bye. Now, care, thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Rock Talk. 